Well, that happened. Uh, we're back. Cameron is there with you on the Twitter space post game after Syracuse falls to Pittsburgh 99-82. I say we're back because I was with everyone on the Twitter space here on Orange Fizz on Wednesday after SU was crushed 91-73 to Clemson. And I think the biggest question of them all was, uh, would Saturday be different? Uh, I'm about to release a tweet that is just, uh, it's awful. I mean, I'll speak it into existence first before I tweet it. Syracuse scored an average of 64 points per game against NC State and Duke. Well, they just allowed 62 points in the second half to Pittsburgh. Not much else to say, but what just happened? I actually won't even release that tweet. It's gotten to the point where as much as I want to give all the negatives and lay them out on the table, the team's doing it for me. The team's doing it for us. It is embarrassing to watch this team play defense. And I'm willing to throw offense out the window. You score 82 points. Benny Williams has 24. He looked great in the first 10 minutes, scored 11 points, then slowed down. But when Benny slows down, and he hasn't been a mainstay all year, what I say is that's fine. Now the needle should be shifted to JG3 and Judah Mintz. Judah needed the halftime break, it seemed, to find some semblance of momentum. He finished with 16, but it didn't feel like it until later in that second half. Uh, Joe was fine. I mean, I'm done talking about Joe being efficient. He was 6 for 12 from the field, 3 of 6 from distance. Okay, that's 50% if, if you're a mathematician. But it gets to the point where, I mean, you score 82 points, Joe's efficient, and it still seems like Joe has to do more. Um, and, and it starts with defense. Right, like Joe can drop 30, and that doesn't do anything for you because if you can't play a lick of defense, what's the point of him dropping 30? It becomes a waste, and these games become a waste. I don't know about everyone in this Twitter space right now. The entirety of the game, I was sitting there thinking, ah, well, another one. Right, like, Syracuse was in the game in the first half and parts of the second half, and my mindset was still, oh, the Syracuse team, just same old, same old. It was a close game in the first half. This is the first place in the ACC Pittsburgh team. They just won 14 games at home for the first time since the 2015-2016 season. I said it on Wednesday. Syracuse was not supposed to beat Clemson. I'll say it today. Syracuse was not supposed to beat Pittsburgh. But you allow 99 points. I'm impressed that SU scored 82. I am impressed. Didn't mention Jesse Edwards. He finished with 17 and 7. He shot eight free throws, did what he had to do, especially being dominated by Federico Federico earlier on in the game. But again, let's shy away from offense. This isn't about offense anymore. SU scored 49 points in the second half. Syracuse scores about 75 to 76 points per game. 82 points, and it wasn't even close. Here in Orange Fizz, Cameron is there with you breaking down Pittsburgh's 99-82 to win over Syracuse. We got a bunch of people listening to the chat right now. 
please request to speak. I am so curious what everyone has to say uh, because I'm running out of things to say. You hold Pittsburgh to only 37 points in the first half. Blake Hinson started the game one of seven. And you're talking about a guy in Hinson that's top 15 in the ACC in scoring. In the ACC, it's so parity-driven that you, know, you score 15 points per game and you're not top 10, which says a lot about the conference, but it also says a lot about Pitt. right? You have Hinson, you have Burton, and they didn't impress early. And then it started to just pile on. And this game has to be the baseline for getting rid of the zone. Because early on in the game, Pitt was 5 of 21 from three-point range. 5 of 21. Good. Right? That's great. That means the zone's at least doing its job in terms of pressuring the shooters outside. And then Pitt finished the game making 11 of its next 23s, which means the zone's not doing their job. Um, Q's hole. Uh, I'm giving you permission to speak right now, or at least I'm. Uh, it's connecting. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I know we can talk about defense to the end of this earth, but unmute, unmute yourself and uh, and give me your thoughts. Uh, Q's hole here. Um, basically, what I'm thinking is after that performance, they allowed over 15 threes to be made and over 40 attempts from the three-point line. Um, I can't see how they can win any games moving forward, allowing that percentage with that many attempts. What are your thoughts? I 100% agree with you. I am of the mindset that the three-point shot has revolutionized the game of basketball to the point that the whole live and die by the three mentality, it's not just a true statement, but teams will choose to die by it more than they will choose to live by it. It's the defense that'll allow those threes that'll ultimately lead to, lead to the demise of the opposing defense. And I 100% agree with you because the stats are evident. I mean, I get Jim beheim has been coaching since maybe stats weren't a thing, but I, I released some stats on, on Orange Fizz on Twitter, and they are shocking. In the last eight games, SU's allowed nine or more threes. First off, that's a stretch that should never be happening. Yes, there were some wins littered in there, but that should never be happening. I don't mind the attempted threes. I mind the open threes. You might say, okay, well, there were moments where Judah Mintz got his hand up. You can get your hand up. That doesn't mean it's a contest. There was one shot Blake Hinson had from looked like 30 feet out, and that's a, a Hinson-like shot. Blake Hinson will be taking those in the NBA. I, I mean, I, I actually had the – opportunity to speak to uh, assistant coach Alan Griffin before the game and this was for a separate uh, media outlet and he said Pitt is experienced we cannot give them open three-pointers we can't give them an inch of room we cannot dare them to make shots they will make them this entire season opposing teams have made them 15 times Syracuse has allowed 10 or more threes nine times Syracuse has allowed 13 or more threes in the last three games alone, Syracuse has allowed 43 threes. I don't care how many attempts you take. No team in their gosh darn mind should be allowing that many threes to go in. You can take 150 threes, but I would hope that your defense is at least good enough to prevent some of those from going in. Um, Noah, uh, I'm giving you permission to speak now. Um, I mean, Cusel, thank you for bringing that up because I, I wanted to get to the, the awful and abysmal defense in terms of uh, from the perimeter. Uh, Noah, what do you have to say? 
Yeah, I mean, you you kind of hinted at it, you know, in your last statement that, you know, I get 10, 15 years ago, the zone was a huge strength because the game was played a completely different way. You know, it was played, you know, inside out and it forced teams to settle for threes. The thing is, now teams are looking to shoot the three. You know, you, they're game planning to spread the floor and shoot the three. And th- there comes a point where I don't care how athletic you are, you, you're not going to be able to defend it. And it, it, it's so frustrating to watch. You know, these teams, no matter how good they're shooting, whether they're coming in, you know, on fire shooting a three or they're struggling, it seems they always light it up. And, um, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating. And, you know, Bayham will go the pressers tonight and say, you know, well, defense just has to get better. But I mean, it's like a broken record, you know. No matter who they're playing, they seem to light it up. It's just it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, I agree with you. Another another thing of note, uh, Syracuse just hit nine threes for the first time this season. That's something that's right. also interesting. Right, right. And, that, and that's the sad part. They played tremendously offensively. You, I know. You really can't complain about the game. They, you know, took good shots. They got to the rim. You know, they, you know, led the free throws. They didn't make as many as they probably should have. But uh, at the end, it didn't matter because you would have had to score 100 points to win this game. Which is ridiculous in itself, but um, yeah, just it's just getting getting hard to watch this defense. And you know, if Bayham comes back next year and is committed to trying this zone again, what what what? Who's going to want to play this zone? You know, after this game, what what kid on this team is going is going to say, yeah, let's run it back two three zone next year? You know, you guys, you know, and I hate to bring up next year because then it's a whole separate conversation. But I mean, you got to think about it because. You know, you you play these good teams and you're losing by 15, 20 points a game down the stretch here. And then a lot of it's laying on the defense. No, I 100% agree with you. And I am not going to get on you for mentioning next year because it's a good point. 41 have pitched 68 shots. If you do that math correctly in your head, I think that's over 60%. We're from downtown. What does that tell you? It tells you exactly the sentiment that you are expressing that the game has shifted to a point where taking three-point shots is not the new wave, it is the wave. 16 of Pitt's 32 made shots from downtown. Jim Beheim might be on it about the statistics. Well, Pittsburgh shot 39% from three-point range. That's pretty under 40%, right? Not too bad. But it's it's the volume, and that's the issue, is it, they're going to make shots. Teams are going to make shots. Really good teams that have won 20 games in a regular season, they're going to make shots. What shots are you giving them? In the second half, it was just time after time after time where SU was giving up threes. And it wasn't the thing of, okay, Pitt was making tough shots or Pitt was deferring drives in order to make threes. Syracuse was saying, shoot threes. Why? When does it get to a point where telling a team to shoot a three and daring them to do so you, you, you're so stupid in your mind, and, and it becomes insane to the point that every single possession, you're daring them to shoot a three. 16 threes. You tell me a couple years ago that Syracuse would ever expect an opponent to make 16 threes. I was in the house when Colgate hit 19, and that was one of the most frustrating games that I've ever been to. And that's not even as someone that was watching as – you know, okay, I write for the Orange Fizz for Syracuse, right? I work amongst Syracuse athletes. Outlets That comes as just a basketball fan. Just, just watching a team constantly hit shots after shots after shots and no adjustments being made. It is utter ridiculous. Pete, I know you're um, 
You were uh, a a great voice of reason in in that Wednesday loss against Clemson. Again, this is the Twitter space following Syracuse's 99-82 loss to Pittsburgh. Cameron, he's there with you. And and Pete, I want to hear your thoughts because the irony of Wednesday is we were going back and forth about how unacceptable it is to play poor defense and is the effort not there? Is it just that the defensive scheme is not there? Pete, I didn't think the defense could get worse. And I think it did. I think between a four-day span, it actually got worse. Right. Uh, it really, it, again, like we discussed the other night, it, it's it's basically, it's the top of the zone that's the issue. It's the top of the zone that's the issue. When you have smaller guards like Judah and Joe, who you, that, that that's not long, they're not long. Judah's athletic, but Joe Girard is not athletic at all. If I actually went back uh, during halftime and was on my clicker and just watching some of the first half and some of the threes that were going down, they were the majority were was on Joe's side of his zone because again he is slow to react to to the wing pass. So of course that brings your bottom guy up, whoever's on the bottom. And if your top guard is slow to get there, that 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 bottom guy has to take has to take the wing until the guard gets there. That's how the zone works. And if your guards are slow or get getting to the wing, guess what? That gives up corner threes. Or you don't fight over, or you don't t- fight over the top of the, the top of the zone screen. And again, your 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 bottom guy has to go up again. And then you give up another corner three or you just don't get to the spot as a guard and you give up a three. It's and again, let, let's talk about this. This is coaching to me. This is coaching and lack of fortitude, lack, lack of effort. And, I, and I'm going to keep saying, especially on Joe Gerard's part. I just don't I just don't understand how he he continues to play. I know he's an offensive threat. I get it. I get it, but defensively, he is awful, and and it puts everybody else in a bad spot, especially your bottom guys on the on the bottom of the zone, your wing guys on the bottom of the zone. It and it, 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 oh man, it's just so frustrating to watch. I, I get it. No, my blood is boiling too. I understand what you're saying, and, and I understand where you keep going back to the coaching. The, the the issue is, I think the the overarching issue. Mm-hmm is this is nothing new. Exactly. Like, that's the that's the sad part about right. this. It's not that Joe's bad at defense. It's the fact that he's been bad at defense for four years, yep. and he still is put at the top of the zone expecting to play good defense. Yep, yep. And, 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 my, and that's, what, that's what I don't understand. Because if you really – if you look at it, Bayheim, he'll he'll jump on everybody. But I've not seen him maybe once, twice get after Joe defensively maybe once or twice i've seen it this year but it but it's all he gets on judah he'll he'll get he'll get on everybody else but he will not he refute and i don't know what they do in practice but you can tell that it, it's something it's something that he doesn't want to say to joe as far as defensive wise because you you if you're this what this pattern wouldn't continue to happen Especially for four years, how bad he's been defensively. He hasn't he hasn't improved not one iota in four years, and it it, it just boggles my mind as a coach. I'm just sitting there like, you have to say something to him because he's putting your he's putting your zone 
which like like the previous uh um person said it's 2023 you have to do something else 15 years ago this works because nobody is shooting a three like this teams are teams are shooting 35 40 shot three pointers a night something has to change I agree, especially with good passing teams. Yes, I mean, I was I was stressing the fact that Clemson had 28 assists, which is a record under mm-hmm. their 13-year head coach Brad Brunell. And when you look and, and peer at the assists today, Pitt had 27 of them, and they're probably the most together team in the ACC. Right, maybe one of the most together teams in the country. Mm-hmm. So again, but again, it goes back to. And I, I I say daring threes with a little bit of a caveat because, of course, Syracuse isn't daring their opponent. They don't want their opponent to take 100 threes. But the issue is they're willing to give them that mm-hmm. because they know if you drive it inside, what's happening against the zone? Either a drive-in kick or Jesse with his lanky 210-pound self isn't doing anything for you. Right. So it, it's all about pressure and that and chaos. And that's exactly what the zone is trying to create. It's trying to create chaos. Unfortunately, it hasn't created chaos for the past five years. Like, that's, right. your, that's right. your issue. Is and yes, yep. could you put could you put Justin Taylor at the top of the zone and take Joe out of the game, and then it's Justin and Judah? Yes, but then again, you could have two lengthy guys at the top, and Judah's very athletic, so I'd count him as someone that is lengthy. But then you mm-hmm. have two at the bottom of the zone in Benny, if it's Chris Bell, which he didn't play today, or a Benny sure. Williams, and they don't care enough on defense. In man-to-man, sure. you can take a possession off of defense because your man might not touch the ball. In zone, you are always moving. There is exactly. always motion. There's always exactly. something going on. And unfortunately, half of the guys on Syracuse want to take a possession off but if you take a possession off, you're leaving a zone open rather than just a possible man that might not even get to touch the ball. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, again, I feel like Pete, you and I can probably petition our way on the Syracuse coaching staff. I mean, it's getting, <laughs> it's getting abysmal. It's getting abysmal. Pitt 99-82 winners over Syracuse. The Orange dropped three straight after winning three straight and beating ranked NC State. It looked like things would turn around. It doesn't. 62 points in the second half for Pittsburgh. If you missed that, I'll say it one more time. 62 points in the second half, and Pitt finished the game making 11 of 23s. Noah, you got something to say? Yeah, I I was going to try to reiterate one more point. You know, um, you know, but, you know, I just, I don't understand. What would what would hurt this team about trying to come out in man to man one game? You know, I kind of I kind of hung I you know gave up the argument last year because last year's team probably was not the best man to man team when you consider Joe and then you had Jimmy and you know the book on Swagger coming out of Villanova wasn't he was was that he wasn't the best defender? I kind of I lived with it, but coming in with this team, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that they're not a halfway decent man to man team, um, just based on pure athleticism. And if they come out and if they truly just get beat off the ball man-to-man, uh, I could probably live with it because you at least tried it, you know, because you know what you're going to get with the zone. And that's just another thought I had. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's why I think everyone was excited when Jim Beheim at the beginning of the season said, okay, we're, sw- we're going to switch, right? We're going from man-to-man. We might go to zone. It'll be based off what happens in the season. And that just tells you, once again, it's a whole lot of hullabaloo. Right. Like, if the results don't show right. it, Jim Beheim 
said to the media on media day, we are going to try both. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me as a basketball watcher by trade is that if something goes wrong in the zone, they're switching to man to man. Right. Well, if this hasn't if if these last three games haven't shown that something's wrong with the zone when you allow 43 threes over a three game stretch, I don't know what else shows you that zone is not working. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Loss of words. Pete, you got something to say? Oh, well, uh, again, just not to not to just to, to pile on. It's uh, it's exactly what Noah just said. You, you, you have to try something different. And will these guys can these guard, guys guard man to man? We don't know. And we will never find out because you you have a person in Jim Beheim who for X amount of years has laid his, his made his name on this two, three zone and he refuses to do anything else. Okay, he added the press, but the press is lazy. <laughs> you have an extremely lazy press. And again, when you don't have guys who don't want, first of all, don't want a guard, and then on top of that, they just don't give any effort defensively, it, it's just, it's it's hard. And again, that goes back to what are you doing in practice to incentivize your players to play the def- defense at a high level? For me as a coach, it, that's the first thing we're teaching you we're look we're taking we're not even bringing the rims down we're not even bringing the goals down until we we set in place what are we what we're doing defensively and obviously those things are not being taught and i mean i i, the, I don't know what the coaching staff is doing but obviously defense is not a priority in it in, in on this club that i can see yeah, I agree with you. Um, other things to note, uh, Syracuse outscored in terms of bench points 28-6. to six. So, yes, 82 points. That's really impressive to have Judah, Joe, Benny, and Jesse all score above 15 is great. But I also want to touch on the starting lineup change, too. Chris Bell was in sweatpants. It looked like he had tape on his right hand, his shooting hand. Uh, so he didn't play the game. So Justin Taylor got the start. And instead of Malik Brown, who Jim said, or Coach Beheim said, uh, just kind of took a step back after last game, you start Benny Williams. He has probably the game of his life. Um, but no other offensive contributions anywhere else. And that doesn't concern me because he scored 82 points. But a big reason why someone is so inclined, and you talk about incentivizing Pete, so inclined to uh, play well offensively and take shots and be confident a lot of the times has to do with you or or sorry let me rephrase that Um, if a player plays well on offense a lot of the times it incentivizes them to play good defense because you have a little chip on your shoulder right you make a shot everyone knows the feeling whether it's in basketball or any sport if you do something well offensively in a sport you go back on defense and you think you rule the world. So for Justin Taylor not to score and take only two shots, for Malik Brown to play a total of six minutes, for Quidier Copeland uh, to, I mean, he played 24 minutes, but he had four fouls. It, it just, it comes to, to show that Syracuse, they might have the individual offensive weapons, but 13 assists for 28 shots. Offense was great in terms of what you got out of the team. But a lot of it was for not because the defense was so abysmal. Cameron, he's there with you. 
recapping Syracuse's 99-82 loss to Pittsburgh, and I'll leave everyone with this. And I've tweeted about it um, over the course of the night. Back-to-back games allowing over 90 points. Back-to-back games allowing over five or more players to score in double figures. And back-to-back games giving up 14 or more threes. That should be the headline. And that will be the headline on theorangefizz.com and with all our articles moving forward. I have a I have a strong feeling that our Fizz staffers will have fun over the next couple of days as SU gears up for Wake Forest and we gear up for, I don't know, covering another team that misses the postseason. So thank you everyone for joining. Um, Cuse Hole, Noah, and Pete, thank you again for, for speaking and providing some insight. Um, unfortunately, I'm not on the Wake Forest game uh, on Saturday for Orange Fizz, but we have a lot of talented Fizz staffers that will take that one over and I'm looking forward to – I'm trying to think who it is. It, it might be might be Carter, um, Carter Bainbridge. I think he's doing fizz. So uh, tune in for that one on Saturday when Syracuse takes on Wake Forest. I've had a lot of fun covering these last two games, fun in terms of talking to you guys, the audience, not fun watching the Syracuse team. So hopefully moving forward, uh, positivity is in the landscape, but we will see uh, when that rolls around. Again, Pitt 99. Syracuse 82, the Orange 16 and 13, 9 and 9 in conference, and a lot of bad rather than a lot of good. So thanks so much for joining us. Again, check out our website, theorangefizz.com, for all of our articles on whether it be basketball, football, recruiting, and both of those stratospheres. And uh, check out our Twitter space on Saturday. Syracuse against Wake Forest. Can they snap the three-game skid? Uh, We'll see. Everyone have a great rest of the night, and we will see you next week. And before I sign off, I totally forgot that Syracuse plays Georgia Tech midweek. So we will see you against Georgia Tech midweek on the 28th and then Wake Forest on Saturday. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And again, see you in a couple of days.